Welcome to Darker Days Radio, and this is a new series, start of a, a new series of mini-series, I guess. These are Darker Days Deep Dives, where we'll be looking at a particular game. We'll be doing some setting exploration, we'll be looking at character creation, we'll do some actual play, and then we'll do a kind of a bit of a debrief. Uh, these are all, you know, just games we want to try out, games we like, um, and honest kind of opinions they're not really reviews they're more helpful for you the listeners who are thinking what's that game actually like rather than having us just talk and acting character we're actually we will make sure you understand the setting and mechanics so that you can follow along at home i'm one of your regular hosts chris and i'm joined by a plethora of darker days radio hosts we have got chig we've got crystal we've got mike and we've got david and um, briefly, as a, a quick introduction, this is the first part of a three-parter. It should be a three-parter for Imperium Maledictum, which is a Warhammer 40,000 RPG by Cubicle 7. It uh, is a sibling to Rattling Glory. You can always go to our YouTubes and look at our videos for Rattling Glory. But this is a sibling to it, but has a very different themes and but it has mechanics that you'll also be familiar with if you go and look at our YouTubes of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 4th Edition. Um, So, uh, I think we'll skip gaming news. We'll keep that for our regular episodes because we've got a lot to go through. Um, Questions then. Where should we begin? Um, It uses percentile dice. We're back with that. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, there's been a couple of uh, Warhammer, fan- or Warhammer 40,000 role-playing games that have used uh, percentile dice. You know, obviously, uh, Warhammer Fantasy role-play in the past. Um, and I, if I recall correctly, there was some percentile mechanics, some core mechanics in Inquisitor, uh, the war game, the 54mm one back in the day, too. Uh, it was fully percentile. Yeah, except for the... Remember the... Um, you had to roll the D6s? Action dice. Yeah, you had to roll yeah. the D6s for uh, actions, which was... Uh, it, 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 it was a role-playing game with minis, with large-scale minis, with no cost for anything. So you could arm a bloke with a rocket launcher and not pay for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as Mike said, it, I mean, there's been plenty of percentile Warhammer 40,000 RPGs in the past. We had Dark Heresy. We had Only War. We had um, Death Watch. Yeah. Uh, what was the other one? What's the one where you played actual Chaos? I can't remember its Black name. Black Crusade. <laughs> Uh, Black Crusade, one. there yeah. we go. Yeah. And I think when oh, the, and Rogue uh, Trader. From a from a historical standpoint, if you look back with interviews with um like uh Graham Davies and uh other original writers of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, one of the reasons why they went with a percentile system is because they're all big fans of Call of Cthulhu, which again uses percentile and worked well uh with the uh the Warhammer 40k and fantasy stat block as well. You just had to multiply everything by ten and then boom, you had the uh um equivalents in the role-playing game yeah and i mean that's a good point to make out the point to kind of reinforce like this is it is this game is an inheritor all the way back to you know call of cthulhu and and those systems because if you were to remove the entire 40k setting from this game and everything else if you rub away all that is basically Call of Cthulhu. It's got rules for insanity, corruption, you know, mutations, and there's strange gribblies out there that are going to get make you, your brain melt and stuff like that. Um, okay, so for Crystal's and Chig's benefit, you've played Wrath and Glory, and yep. you've played things like you've played a Sister of Battle, 
and you've played like a, a commissar mm -hmm. and we've had in our parties things like um uh, we've even had an eldari in the party so and obviously with stuff coming out and stuff i've worked on recently you know there's a playable book for eldari now for wrath and glory there's a book coming out for more stuff for playable space marines um so those games allow you to play from the very basic ganger all the way up to tier five with uh with the marine book coming out so like you know proper like marines in terminator battlesuits like they are gonna kill fucking everything kind of job so this game is not that <laughs> right you're not going your guys are not going to mow down mobs of cultists uh very easily and they're certainly not going to go be able to go happily toe-to-toe one-on-one -to -toe, with like a gene stealer like you could play wrath and glory and be like I'm a Primaris Space Marine. I could take on a Gene Stealer, you know, with some confidence. This is not that game. This, I think, if you if you're if you're fans of Warhammer Forty Thousand, um, or if you're even aware of the stuff, this is like you are playing cadres of of Imperial citizens who, due to their skills, have been selected by a patron to to go into the wider galaxy into the Imperium to be their eyes and ears and also do some downright nasty work in the shadows. Like you and you can't do that with a Marine. You can't be sneaky with Marine. Marines don't need to be sneaky. You certainly can't be an Eldari quite happily just roaming the Imperium. And you definitely can't be a Drakari doing that, that's for certain. Um but so yeah. you're really just playing basic humans with they might have a few cybernetics. They might have a bolt gun. You might be lucky enough to have a bolt gun, but you, 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 it's very much more towards the the kind of style of Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, but it, within the Imperium, you are in the gutters. This is this is grim, dark, gothic gutter punk. And if you are to compare characters to things that are within um, Games Workshop uh, media. There are things, obviously, like the Eisenhorn trilogy is the perfect example of his his um, various associates that he selects, like an Adeptus Arbite, you know, or a or a, a ganger or a, a pilot. These are just people that he's met and had to employ, and then carried on with them in his warband. Or um, more recently, uh, if you watch anything on Warhammer Plus, which is another opinion altogether, but if you watch Warhammer Plus, um, I do actually quite like um, the... Why well, can't I think of it right now? What's the animated series they had on there? Um, Hammer and Bolter. Interrogator. No, Interrogator. Oh, yes, interrogator and some episodes yeah. of Hammer and Bolter. Yeah. And Interrogator is exactly the characters. Like, they are... It is grim, dark, noir... So there's a, a noir element to it. Um, you know, people are going to stab you in the back. There's lots of intrigue. Um, so, and you can happily, depending upon the cadre you're part of, you're going to happily interact with people from the hives in the in the manufactorums through the Imperial Navy, parts of the Adeptus Mechanicus, and then up to the nobility. But obviously to interact with all these people really depends upon who your character is who their patron is and how they've built up their reputation and how fucking sneaky they are as well. Cause you know, you can, you can pull rank on people, but it will cost you and certain alliances you have will mean you have problems with other groups. So that's kind of the view of it. So how does that make you feel at this, at this juncture? <clears throat> 
I mean, I'm I'm okay with playing a, a random schmo of the Empire. Yeah, that I'll give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of like the concept of like you are just kind of thrown into things with whatever you have, and there are bigger things that are happening than you, and basically you just need to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a good thing like you say there are bigger things going on because <clears throat> you are I would say 90% of the time your characters will never be on the front lines of the imperium. You will never see, like I think a game you'd be quite happily playing a campaign of imperial maledict to me. You will never see an orc. You will mostly never see an Eldari. The, you may your characters may even think they're mythological boogeymen made up by the imperium to keep the population in line like say, these one, are one of the, i think one of the key things which for the imperial maledictum human it you probably don't even know that what chaos is you're not oh, yeah. taught about xenos you're not taught about chaos you're just taught about the god emperor is good and that is it everything else is wrong yeah so you, you even going off world for you will be mm, a novelty or, or something you would yeah. never even have dreamed of yeah absolutely and i think playing off of that uh david's definitely right in that uh when the core themes of this this totalitarian setting that you're going to be playing in is ignorance um you don't understand the universe around you you don't even understand how your own system and government really works you know there will just be these black ships that come to your planet one day and they'll just round up you know thousands of individuals and then vanish and there will just be something that falls into myth um you might learn a little bit from your patrons and perhaps you'll be uh, an imperial navy uh, individual who's seen a few planets or something like that um yeah there's many many uh uh really dark but interesting things and it can be uh i think a very interesting way to through this you know uh this corrupt totalitarian society forty thousand years in the future be a lens with which to view aspects of our own world and society and the darkest parts of humanity yeah. okay <clears throat> at which point that leads us into kind of like the factions so part of part of and we'll go th- I think we'll we're gonna be doing some of our um character creation today, but we'll be making one particular character, which is the patron. So um and this kind of like a, a feel builds off what we've seen in previous Cubicle 7 games. So uh mainly from Wrath and Glory and Age of Sigma Soulbound, where they're like, Well, who who does your party work for? This takes those ideas and then rather than having some named ones that you can work for, gives you a framework for generating one. So you can, as a group, pick and choose things, or in the, in the true, true, uh, true, um, truest way of, of, of Warhammer Fantasy roleplay and thus Imperial Maledictum, you randomize, because randomization is where the fun is in this setting. So as a brief overview, we've got a few factions we can pick from, and we can answer some questions we'll go through, though. So... We've got a table here to roll on to pick the patron's faction. There is the Adeptus Administratum. There is the Adeptus Astra Telepathica. There is the Adeptus Mechanicus. There is the Adeptus Ministorum. The Astra Militarum. The, I would call it the Navis Imperialis, but it's the Imperial Fleet. There is the Inquisition. There are Rogue Trader Dynasties. And there is Infractionist. So Hmm. any questions about any of these? Or anything you go, I really hope we roll this. I really want that. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'd be cool with exploring all these because they not only um, determine your, your patron, but your characters will also be part of these factions as well. You might be working for a yeah. patron from a different one, but um, there's a good chance you, you come from one of these various origins as well. Um, so, maybe- And if someone's got this... I was just going to say, if someone's got the um, the form fillable sheet for our patron up on a yeah, screen can, and do this for me, that'll be a great that help. Uh, <clears throat> who's rolling the first dice? I mean, I can tell you that I'm very excited about the uh, Imperial Navy uh, because I started building an Imperial Navy force for 40k. So that would be pretty That's cool to explore. You got really but... excited when you saw the Solar Auxilia turn up for everything. Yeah. yeah. You just want to wear a spacesuit, don't you? You just want to wear a void breaching spacesuit, or you want to be, you want to be like Captain. Well, you want to be like I don't know, maybe one of one of. If you're lucky, maybe are you maybe part of the bridge crew? Like think Star oh. Trek, but like worse. Mm. I think it's Star Wars, more, but it's worse. more Battlestar Galactica. I'm probably gonna be the alcoholic. Yeah, it's uh, definitely. Uh, Saul, Colonel Saul tie, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Except drinking, except I've plenty got plenty of Amasek. Except one eye's missing. Well, he loses an eye at some point, so it's just replaced by some bionic thing. Got some tubes okay. floating around. Yeah, we'll so see. That's what you're excited for. We'll see. Yeah. Um, Chick, anything that looks exciting there, or you want to know more about? Um, I would like to know more about the uh, the telepath guys because. From what I'm, what I've gleaned over the years from you guys about uh, Warhammer 40k is they're not really a good group, or they're a group <laughs> made of not really great people, or something along. Oh those yeah, lines. that's just the whole setting, though, um, isn't it? So, it's, it's so yeah. thing, but but especially the guys who can open doors to hell with their brain, they seem oh. like especially not yeah not the good guys. So the Adeptus so Astra how, how we as the the heroes of the game. <laughs> work for them yeah so the adeptus yeah, exist. No, they they, exist. they they are um they're, they're basically they control a lot of information in the imperium because there is no fast and light communication other than by psychers so the astra the the astra telepathica uh goes to worlds in their black ships and take tithes of psychers that have been rounded up by the by the planetary forces and and by enforcers and so forth mm-hmm. some of these psychers are shipped off back to earth back to terra to be soul bonded to the god emperor and essentially sacrificed to power the astronomicon which is basically a big telepathic waypoint that can be seen in the warp when you're traveling through space big shiny daddy hungry for psycho brain yeah some of these will though will have a, a similar process done but will be assigned to relay stations where you have choirs of psychers who send out messages and receive them across the imperium so you have these relay stations of all these psychers operating right so and then if you're lucky the guys who feed the emperor they're also the newsies yeah okay and then if you're lucky enough, you might be a psyker that is more independent and be not in one of those choirs and has the ability to obviously use their psychic powers for communication. Or you might be a psyker that was noted for your natural ability because you had other psychic abilities, you know, like biomancy or pyromancy or, or some of those other things, which were deemed far more useful in the field. And so you'd be a sanctioned psyker, perhaps a uh, associated with a commander of the Astra Militarum and gone, hey, you, you're great as a psyker to, to communicate messages on the battlefield, but also you blow shit up really well. We're going to use you. 
And when you say you in this sentence, you don't mean like our characters. You mean the character that our characters all work for. <laughs> um, you can playing, play a psyker in this. The... You you could be a psyker in this game. It's possible okay. you could be that. Or you could be, obviously, underlings that work for a member of the uh, Adeptus Astral Telepathica. All right. Someone with some clout. So that's what that group is like. Well, the, um, they, they also do... one. Of, I think one of the key things to mention about them is... So we've got this idea that there are psychers out there, and most yeah. of them go and feed the um, thing that I've got the name of that feeds the emperor. Astronomicon. Astronomicon. That's the one. Um, but there's also rogue psychers. So these are psychers who have not been caught by the black ships or been sent off to work with the Astromilla Palm. And so the Telepathica, they go off and search for these rogue psychers because these are inherently dangerous people. These are people who have warp powers but are not controlled by the Empire. Or emperor, or the imperial. Yeah. So that's so we could be normal humans, uh, base human, and be hunting psychers. To go out <laughs> to hunt the psyker. It's like, yeah, we're not going to send the good people to go out and hunt the psyker because we need them on the front lines. You squishy, unimportant people, you go find this person who might turn into a greater demon for us. Mm. Right. We're the ones. Who oh yeah, and that's the bad thing. That there's a bad psyker there, and after we're wiped out to a man. They send in the actual team to, to bring them in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll send yeah, in like an inquisitorial force, yeah. Um, Crystal, any particular thing that stands out you want to know more about or you like the sound of? Um, as someone who, like, you know, literally played the man uh, when we did, like, Wrath <laughs> and Glory, um, I'm looking, like, Rogue Trigger Dynasty and the Infractionists um, are two very interesting... Um, things that I'm like reading over and I'm like trying to wrap my head around the fact that these guys basically are like no we totally aren't part of the Imperium or the Emperor or anything like that but uh, yeah sometimes we help them out and then yeah. other times we don't and then like so I'm just trying to kind of wrap my head around like that yeah. whole thing so rogue traders are um, they're dynastic families that have uh, allegiances with um, with also the families of psychers that are known as navigators, who have like a third eye, who essentially helps steer ships through the through the warp. So rogue traders are are families built around trading across the Imperium and beyond. They have a they have a, um, a they're formally sanctioned by the Imperium to do that. Many of these ships also have like entire armies on board because rogue traders are also at the very forefront of reclaiming lost worlds, whether they're lost human worlds that were never part of the Imperium, or reclaiming Imperial worlds that have that have you know gone independent and thus committed heresy, or even going off and going, hey, hey, friendly alien races, we're allowed to trade with you because it says on my little sheet of paper here. I can go where I want and trade with who I want and no one can tell me otherwise. So there's quite a lot of clout with the rogue traders to do that. Obviously, there is a bit of rub with that with members of certain parts of the Imperium, like mainly the Inquisition. But the fact is, you, the fact that you can be, you know, you could be, you're the eyes and ears of a rogue trader who has a massive flotilla and you are on a world being the first kind of sneaky um landing party that's learning about the world's politics and the who's and 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 the where's to then go back and g 
give back that information before then you have to do something more important, like the road trader goes, right, now I know who's in charge. Go kill that person for me. Or or go steal that, that piece of archaeotech or that weird piece of xenotech I really like the look of and I want in my private collection. So that's kind of fun. Infractionists are kind of the same, but without the legal basis for it. Um, they are all the money. They are your they are your smugglers, they are your cold traders, they are your narco lords, they are um they are your they do all, all they're your they're your cultists also they could be following um and when i say cultists that could range from the really really bad end of the spectrum like they are chaos cultists they may not know that they're actually uh venerating the chaos gods but they are part of a cult that is definitely not imperial and then you could be part of an or you could be part of a cult that is not part of the accepted imperial creed yet is still totally loyal to the imperium but because what you follow is prescribed, therefore you you are technically you know criminals and heretics. And then there's a lot of lot of space in between. So again, you know, we 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 can happily because we are not cubicle seven. We are independent of that. We can happily go. Hey, you want some ideas? Go to the Necromunda rule books and have a look at all the different like nasty groups of individuals you could play as. You could be gangers. Uh, working for some, you could play a game quite happily where you're patron and everything. You are based on one world in a hive city, and you're just doing gang warfare type shit. Like that could just be what you're doing, and trying to like make friends and influence people so you could raise your 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 gang's prospects from being in the underhive up to the upper hive or become a, a an accepted noble house. Yeah. There's a whole politics you could go through with that before you even leave a world or before you even leave a hive city. Which is, you know, pretty cool. So that's fun. Yeah, I think the uh, the infractionists are probably the zestiest thing that they put in here because that was uh, it. Definitely wasn't in like base dark heresy before, and, no. and certainly like there's always been like desperados and other things that are are mentioned in some of these uh, 40k role playing games. But um, I think this really opens up some some great, really interesting options so that you can play anything yeah. from yeah gangers that you mentioned to even something like the Firefly crew. Um, yeah. You know, kind of yeah. going from world to world, dealing with these different criminal organizations simply because you are so unsanctioned. It yeah. brings in something that is not really talked about quite much, other than kind of the Necromunda ganger kind of thing. It brings in criminal enterprises. It brings in criminal oh, yeah. empires. This is not something you see in most 40k lore. Um, it's all the big high stuff. Yeah, some of the books you get, like uh, the Gel, the Warhammer, Cro- the Warhammer Crime series, yeah. um, get into this a bit more. So it's definitely there. So shall we roll D one hundred then and find Just out what dice write it down for us? All right, who's doing it? Is it uh, is it Chig or is it Crystal? Crystal, you get the first roll. All right, sixty-eight. You are <laughs> infractionists. So, <laughs> in, <laughs> this is the Inquisition in Perfect. my book. Yes. Yeah, it says Inquisition. No, 68, in my not 78, 68. 68 is Inquisition. Yeah. 68, yeah. Oh. Infractions 91. In the hard copy rule book? Yeah, I'm looking at the rule book right now. Uh, 55 Page to 24 is Inquisition. Page 17. Yep. Yeah, I've got 75 to 94 is the Inquisition. That's uh, 65 to 74 is Infractionists. And uh, are we, are we all got different books? Uh, they did do hmm, some errata on this book, which is something we should have mentioned. Let's see if they did the <laughs> Yeah, let's well, check me... the errata. <laughs> so are you Jesus. looking at the physical book, Chris? 
I'm looking at the physical book. Okay, I've got the, Most... the updated download. Yeah, oh, I got yeah, right. yeah, I have the PDF that you that that we have. Is that more up to date? I don't know. I would guess so. Mine. I would were... assume so. Hold on a minute. I'm going to my um. I'm going to my dry throw. I've shared what I have in the uh, the Discord. I'm gonna make sure I've got the most recent version downloaded. God damn it! That was crazy. Yeah, that's what I've got as well. <sighs> okay. Yeah, that's what I have too. I say we Download just need both that. of these. <laughs> Where inquisitors I'm happy with, I'm happy with either result. If you're an inquisitor, that oh, makes perfect oh, sense to be yes. fair. Oh god, no, that's. <laughs> <laughs> That's let's be Thorian. We haven't on, even be begun to discuss. We've let's not even begun to discuss being, let's being radical inquisition. Radical inquisition is even that's another thing we haven't even got started on. Um, <laughs> let's do it. Let's see. Creating a Kill the Emperor. Uh, yeah. Um no, in my download copy mm -hmm. of the most recent one, it says it's infractionist. That's I've so just downloaded so from Drive RPG. So we just My play copy. both. Yeah, we play both. So we're going with infractionist. <laughs> I'm, I'm much happier to be honest with infractionist than I am yeah. with uh, uh, okay. inquisitors because inquisitors is is you can do that in rogue in um, wrath and glory. So we're infractionists. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm okay infractionist. With that. So your patron has plus two influence with other infractionists. So that goes on the sheet. Uh, let me find out where that goes. Faction. They'll say influence yeah. somewhere. Yeah. somewhere. And then your yeah, duty, and this is what you've got, you can pick between. You can pick between, do you want your patron to be A, criminal mastermind, or B, a merchant gilder? I mean, criminal mastermind obviously is the fun one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we got it. Yeah. Okay. Your patron has thrived in the vicious criminal undergrounds of the Macarian sector, gaining significant power and resources and a desire for more. Um, their duty boon is plausible deniability, which means the patron counts amongst their servants, some few who are willing to break the Lex Imperialis, so that's the imperial law, and face the consequences on their behalf. Once permission, you can request that your patrons send some of their plausible deniability connections to commit a crime of your choosing, such as starting a riot or, or, or distract uh, corrupt vigilites so vigilites are, in are, are um enforcers they're like the police i say police that that they don't really do much they do law keeping but they don't really yeah, like you said police stop <laughs> crimes on your behalf they stop crimes against the state um kidnapping a preacher or uh, during a sermon or shooting the cus the custom servitor bodyguard of highborn noble additionally your patron gains a further plus one influence with infractionists cool For a total of plus three yeah. Right. Then I need someone to roll a d10 followed by a d10. I got this. The first d10 roll is a 10. A 10. So these are some descriptions of the criminal mass mind is a, that they have associated with them. Their boon, oh, sorry, this is the boons. Their boon is tentative alliance. So they have a tentative alliance with someone, which we'll have to figure out. And the other and one? The second d10 is. A four, and their liability is they have an enemy, so they have a very they have a particular enemy. Guys, okay, listen, listen. <laughs> I'm, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm coming up with. Okay, we're infractionists working for a criminal mastermind who is opposed to an inquisitor. Since we had that confusion, I think we're working for like a Bond villain right now. We're the henchman to a Bond villain, and James Thanks, Bond is an inquisitor. Is our uh, is our 
our patron. Uh, do you know what would work well with that? Bond villain. You want to go with um, taking an idea from Necromunda. Do you want a, a fallen noble? So someone that someone's noble house that has is no longer recognized. They're trying to reestablish it. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that's spicy. So there's actually a really uh, one of the um, which we'll come to at some point. One of the subsectors in Setheris, I think, might work quite well with this, and that's Asterian, yeah. where it's all yeah, about sounds money. Like it. Where it's yeah. all about the money. So, so we need noble next, from there. Next, work out a motivation for our uh, our patron. Okay, so that's the wrong screen. Mm. That's there we go. Sorry, I've got too many things open. There we go. Uh, so motivation. So you got a D10 to roll. Who's rolling this time? Who wants to roll? You want me? Or does someone else want to roll? I'll roll. I've already I got to die. All right. Okay. All right, Mikey, you go for it's it. It's a 10. I got no dice on me. Oh, it's 10? Yeah, it's a 10. It's 10. Unity. So inf- oh, it's Unity. Um, the patron believes that discord between factions is the biggest threat to the Emperor's realm and seeks to unify the Imperium. You will likely operate as problem solvers, broken deals, and completing diplomatic missions. Your patron might ask you to defend an oh. individual or a location to ensure the peace is kept or send you to uncover and foil a plot to agitate uh, conflict before it blossoms Ooh. into all-out war. That's really weird. Yeah. So it's like interesting. That. For the noble... They've fallen f- because they've disagreed with the current governance and how it's actually failing yeah. the emperor. Or they, and or their house got set up. Yeah, their house got set up in in the past by yeah. other noble houses who are the oh, actual heretics okay, and it. radicals. <laughs> <laughs> You're the A team. You're the A team, right? Uh, isn't that what we normally play? Like, <laughs> um... who's MacGyver? Who's playing MacGyver this time? Right, okay, the next bit is the demeanor of the patron. So roll d10. I got a 10. Inscrutable. Mm. Uh, your patron conceals their personality behind a veneer of stoic professionalism or smooth uh, geniality. Okay. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. How do we spell this? Inscrutable. I think that also going with the theme and taking some ideas from Necromunda, I can imagine them wearing a almost Venetian mask, like that you can't even read their um, emotions at all. So they're, 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 they've totally cloaked themselves in secrecy. Like, Oh, let's, let's amp that up though. He's replaced his face with a Venetian mask so that he cannot reveal emotions. Oh, that's just, that's 40k. Yeah. <laughs> that is 40k. <laughs> Excellent. Um, by default, your patron will pay you the standard payment grade at the end of every few days. That means you will receive 100 solars. Um, this may vary depending upon some other boons and liabilities. So let's have a look at those boons and liabilities that have turned up so far. So for our rogue, uh, for our infractionist... Mm-hmm. Um, we have the, plausible deniability. That was a duty boon. The other boon was tentative alliance. Right, yep. Uh, let's have a look at that. Tentative Alliance. Your patron is a political mastermind, adroit at forming short treaties with other factions, imperial otherwise. Before each mission, <laughs> before each mission, you can choose a faction you are aware of. Your patron has plus one influence with that faction until the end of the mission. So you can go into the mission and go, I, he could be, they, your patron could be like, I've gained the favor with the Adeptus Mechanicus. Uh, this should ease your, you know, ease ease issues with them on your next mission. Or it could be, you know, the Imperial Navy and has gained you uh, passage on one of their transport vessels. Stuff oh, like that. Okay. 
So that's pretty. That's pretty cool. This dude is awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, mm. it's turning out bloody awesome. Um, the oh, don't, enemy. Don't, don't look at enemy. Do, 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 do. Enemy minus two patron influence. Uh, your patron has made an enemy of another high-ranking member of a faction. The rival may interfere with your missions, hire their own agents, accomplish the same goals before you can try, uh, or even try to bribe or coerce you in into their employment. <laughs> Additionally, your patron's uh, enemy has enough sway to ensure your patron has minus two influence with the enemy's faction. What faction would be good as an enemy faction? Inquisition. Then? Inquisition, guys. Inquisition. Inquisition. <laughs> Inquisition. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely going to have to be uh auto uh hereticus yeah because it quite possibly yeah it wouldn't be ma- yeah. malleus doesn't make sense yeah. neither does Enos. so it's going to be um an auto hereticus so, inquisitor we don't really really know we, 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 we're trying to fix the empire we're trying to fix yeah. the imperium so therefore it's hereticus right yep. it makes yeah. perfect sense yep. well that was a fun start um so influence obviously grants bonus success levels on on things on actions that may involve where that influence is useful and that's basically that's the patron sorted out if i look at the sheet correctly boons liabilities demeanor motivation duty pay grade faction patron name influence uh there's also contacts and intel which you can add in that's as you develop further um influence and contacts of your own um but that is that's basically character create well that part of character creation done so, uh, any other points anyone wishes to raise about that currently? What's the patron's I, name? Yeah, we should figure that yeah, out. Yeah, you need a patron's name. I'm going to leave these questions up to you. You can just fill them in. Pick the gender. Pick the... I say gender. Gen, I mean, we're wearing a mask. They Gender is quite fluid in the Imperium, really. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling very, something very, a very stern name, like like Archon or something. Oh well, that actually that's a See, good. I was thinking that's, the exact a... opposite direction. I was thinking Ooh. of something like Aurora or. Mm, yeah, you know what? I kind of like an Aurora. That I think that's, that's well, that's kind of zesty right there. If you give me a moment, I can bring out this from the GM Ooh. screen. So this is the extra pack. Um, I think it has some. Does it have a name table on it? I think it does somewhere. Um, yeah, I'm sure someone is. Well okay, as me, we've but... got a no, we've got a table for noble titles. Perfect. So, a title would be good. So ooh, yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. let's roll three three separate d10s. One for each of us. Yep. <laughs> All right. No, guys, someone roll a five. So they are lord. So that's made that choice on on. Uh, is lady a separate uh, title? Lady is a separate one on here. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, you can have a lady that's a lord, lord lady. in this. Yeah, in this setting, that's that's cool. Yeah. Uh, rank? What's the uh, rank? Ten. Uh, so it's Lord Prefectus, and the other D ten. A nine of Subsector Alpha. So that's their previous Lord Prefectus of Subsector Alpha of, and we'll figure out which world. Wow. Um, we need to figure out some names. Uh, do we have a table? I'm sure there was a table of names in core book. I'm sure someone as well has made a uh, 40k name generator. There's, uh, there's there hundreds is. out there's, there. There's hundreds there's of them out there. definitely a name table in here, which will you? Use- yeah, there we go. Um, let's use a D100 on the high gothic table. Okay, I'll roll. Oh. Okay, got uh, 77. So that's 
so that's Lord Perfectus Scythia. Is that with an S, S or a C? S C Y T H I A. S C Y T H. Okay, Scythia. Oh, I like that. Cool. Yeah. So we have a patron created, so that's a great start. Um, and then, really, we're into kind of some other questions then of really where in the Macarius sector um, they're going to be operating out of. So um, I think we should start with a bit of an overview then for people that are kind of new to this. So the galaxy and the Macarium sector... Um, the Macarum sector is quite important to the Imperium in general. It is uh, perhaps one of the most uh, productive subsectors for the Imperial War Engine, producing numerous arms, vast armies, and a lot of other site, you know, producing psychers that are, are taken off in the black ships. However, um, the like much of the galaxy, the whole problem with the Macarium se- sector right now is that there was a period of time where almost all the worlds within it were cut off from each other and from the Imperium as a whole because of the Great Rift opening. So if you've watched everything about Wrath and Glory, you know that the Gilead sector sits pretty much within a pocket of the Great Rift and is on the very front lines of that, whereas the Macarium sector is far from that in the Galactic West and and Tails stretches off from pretty much from near where Earth is outwards and is formed from numerous worlds, many thousands of worlds, thanks to a grand crusade led by Lord Solar Macarius back in 300 and something, 370 M41, so quite recent. And that area of space used to be made up of a former subsectors of the Imperium that had been lost over time and, and weren't sending back arms and munitions and armies back to the Imperium. So Lord Macarius rose through the ranks. He's part of nobility. And because of his influence and power, the High Lords of Terror were like, sure, okay, here's your armies, here are your fleets, go forth on a great crusade and bring back all of these worlds back into the Imperium. And that's pretty much what he did. Uh, and as a result, uh, is essentially now considered a saint within the Imperium. However, just as he reached the end of his crusade, much was Chagrin, and then subsequently died, it all went to hell. So his generals below him, there are seven of them, some of them were former warlords that he conquered, all started sniping at each other, trying to, and other generals and other commanders tried to take elements of the Macarium sector back as their own. And so what occurred was called the Macarium Heresy, which then led to Marines being sent in to quell all these uprisings. So there's been a lot of war recently within the last thousand years in this entire stretch of space that numbers thousands of worlds. Some of these worlds, as part of the Macarium Crusade, were obliterated, so they had exterminatus uh, done upon them. Uh, Other worlds were never reclaimed or or only shortly claimed, and like the very edge of space or within areas which are considered haunted or... uh, or a home to human societies are actually even more high-tech than the Imperium itself. So they are worlds that the Adeptus Mechanicus would want, or they're worlds that are still in the thrall of alien or demonic entities. So there's quite a lot going on. Chick has a question. Can our patron 
be like one of the Russian families that still tracks where they would be in the Russian noble hierarchy, except they're from a planet that was destroyed. Um, would that work in the lore? Could they be from a world that was destroyed? I think... So even if they got their title back, their land is, you know, space dust at this point, so... It would really depend, I think, on why the planet was Exterminatus, because okay. a planet that is destroyed through Exterminatus, if that's kind of the idea you want, where the Inquisitor just blown their entire planet up. There's, there's usually very good reasons why they've done that, and it's probably due to either corruption from the very, very bottom or corruption from the very, very top. But anybody from that planet or connections with that planet is never going to come back So um, from the Inquisition I'm assuming, side of things. I'm assuming that both sides in this giant war would have been able to destroy planet because it was a kind of a civil war, right? So if, uh, if yeah, the during the, the heresy, action, yeah. yeah, yeah, during the heresy, the heresy there would have been there would have been armies of astral militarum that would have fallen under certain generals who said no, we're succeeding from the Imperium. Yeah, there is. Um, so there is one planet in the Sithia. Sith, Sithrius or whatever it's called, the big system, the big subsector, um, which was actually Exterminatus. Nobody knows why. Um, so what's it called? Uh, Bel Shooter uh, was Exterminatus. No reason was given. Uh, the only thinking is there's a possible research base hidden deep below the surface. So maybe our patron knows what that research base is. So to get his name back, he wants to prove to the Imperium that actually the research space was either good or bad or something as an idea. Um, so we, we can also then decide as to whether how, how that planet was exterminatus. Was it virus bombed? Was it flame bombed? Hmm. That is interesting. I'm not sure if Sorry, our patrons' uh, uh, goals will be so scrutable as that, but uh, yeah. uh, certainly that could be part of it. That's a really interesting thing in the setting, and that's what I think is so cool about Imperium Maledictum is that you really get into this sector, and it gives you some awesome yeah. things to explore, which are not usually there in the grander scheme of Warhammer 40,000. That's what makes this role-playing game so great. There's like... Um... 50 pages of fluff on the subsectors on the planets within the subsectors the governance of them who, the 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 big players in each each place it it's, it massively expands the concepts of what you can do with 40k rather than what most people think of which is the space marines fighting heresies and things it really really kind of expands law for the imperium and what it is actually like to be an imperial citizen and i i i'm in love with the setting this is what i this is what i want for 40k i want gutter punk 40k that isn't yeah, just another ripoff of necromunda yeah 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 which is a great I mean, source of material necromunda don't get me wrong but oh yeah um so if we have a look at the, this the great thing about the way the book is laid out also for each of the factions there are there's there's chapters for each one that give you an overview of of where in the sector they ha they have some power where their main uh you know for the infractionists there's less of a single singular bastion of power there are multiple power centers hubs of influence there's also some whispers so there's some like you know some 
rumors that you can be aware of and then it gives you an idea of how they operate in the carrium sector so just briefly i'll give you a quick overview of like the infractionists the infractionists um obviously live on the periphery of society um infractionists escape from this oppression exchange for any future they might have had with imperial society turning to petty crimes like smuggling theft forgery etc um others go into organized crime like grand larceny chem trading augmentic reclamation uh wet work and far worse uh if there's profit to be had the infractions will take the chance so you're the thing is, like, if you've if you've if you've got as your patron a fallen imperial noble, they are looking to find the evidence that is hidden somewhere in the vaults of the in the administratum. Somewhere hidden in there are secrets, things that have been lost on purpose that have the evidence that their noble house has a legitimate claim on a hive, on a world, and that the true enemy that orchestrated their downfall is some other faction some other noble house or it may be a member of the imperial fleet or of the or of the um astra militarum that had some you know designs on on their world or or on their influence or could also be due to some radical inquisitor uh who or or it may not even be radical inquisitor could just be some inquisitor with aspirations who sought you know how i can get ahead they're heretics and i'm gonna pin it all all on them just because it works so that gives you an idea of who your patron could be why they have to keep their their identity a secret but also how they can also use their links to create um forged identities forged information so they can gain influence through other groups. So they may also masquerade as an imperial noble of another house and because they might have enough links through marriages and 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 other artifacts from from dowries and and trade contracts or a rogue trader that will also be quite useful to create the this identity that allows them to masquerade in high society when actually they're the mastermind behind this whole secret organization of their fallen house looking to reestablish themselves. <laughs> I'm in. This sounds awesome. Yeah. So this, within this, the Macarian, Yeah, I was gonna say within the McCarran um sector then, um, you know, it will mean there are various uh places that you could, you know, take up um as as your main kind of like home, as it were. Um there are various syndicates that you can join. So there are things like the Trackless Chain, uh, which is one smuggling group. Uh, that uh, there's also the the resin uh, resin syndicate who are our narco lords. There's the Zhao clan who are fallen nobles from the world of Asterion, who obviously are involved in various uh, mm-hmm. crimes, organized crimes. Uh, and there are some other whispers out there of other gang leaders and and so forth and then of course there is the entire threat of the the um adept sabotes and their and their agents who who basically the way to think of it is if the if the macarian vigilance are the local police enforcers on worlds the adept sabotes are the feds they work cross world cross sector 
break uh, fighting against anything that breaks imperial law and they're the ones you most probably would be most afraid of running into they have robot dogs yeah <laughs> yeah um so there are some factions so do you think your patron is a member of a criminal cartel or are they or are they just kind of more quiet about their operations and oh, yeah. Operated like as a I as a think false noble. We don't know. Yeah. As oh. the angels, we don't know who Charlie is. We just, you know, they give us, you know, a call every now and again on the speakerphone, and Bosley tells us what the mission is, and we go do it, and they pay us well. Oh, I like that. I like that. It it certainly fits. I think within that kind of starter level. We are gang. not high enough in the pyramid scheme to know what's mm. going on. It's not a pyramid scheme. It's a triangle, okay? And it's not a scheme. It's an organization. Nice. Okay. I th- yeah, I think if we keep it secret and then we let, if if we continue the game, we find out more and we let Chris decide as, as, as the storyteller I'm, where it's going to go. I'm going to make some decisions now because it makes my life easy looking at and picking things from the book. I think let's go with what we we've already picked out on some of these worlds and we'll we'll discuss other worlds as they come up if we need to. I've, I've put some notes into the, the, the sheet and sent yeah. it through, but we can if you want more, I can add more in. So I I'm gonna say the most sensible place pick is the Cythrus subsector. And you are going to go with so there's a, there is one criminal cartel which I think fits this note this fallen noble to also kind of just like keep low key and acquire the items to do their work but also to maintain their appearance as a noble is the uh, the fallen the fallen goods and services so this syndicate operates in the Cythrus subsector. They specialize in rogue manufacturers to supply desperate worlds with unsanctified but cheaper goods. So there's kind of a noble element to this, which still fits the patrons' ideals of trying to really bring true order to the, the sector. Their largest operation is on uh, Desperon, um, where they also engage in theft and extortion to support their operations. And then based upon that, we can then pick a world. What and it's it's the Scyther. So I think you're right uh, with this, David, that the, the best world to pick, which kind of fits this, is likely... Um, oh, actually, do we want to go with that one or do we go with the other one? What was the name of the, the clan again or the, the syndicate? Um, the Forlan Goods and Services. Goods and Services, that was it. So we could pick... Um, let's see, which world is it interesting? So for money-wise, Asterion is the money centre... Um, where they, where literally the whole, the whole system that the whole, that whole system there is cash rules, everything around me. Um, they, they are nearly heretical in their level of economical thought that all tithes and all money goes to the emperor. Um, which I'm assuming, yeah, there's, there's a lot of shady deals going on there, I would guess. Um, Persopolis is the, explain why uh, we're working for. A shady dealer, but that's that's all money. Uh, Persopolis is data mining, so if, if you've got any data information that you want, Persopolis, which is kind of like the main subsector planet of Scythius and quite important within the whole uh, Macarian subsector, 
the only other one that I managed to read up on was Krultus, which is an agri-world, um, which had an uprising and then had a lot of problems with psychic awakenings and rogue psychers, <laughs> which I'm not sure uh, fits with us, but could be quite fun to play with at other, other points. Yeah. But let's... then there's about 7 million other planets. So there are that. There's so many <laughs> worlds you can pick from. It's, it's insane. There are like worlds which are just, you know, pure... Uh, Admech Forge worlds. There are other worlds. There's like a gas giant. I'm not too sure. Um, that means everyone is based on actually all the the settlements are on orbital like platforms. Or, orbital docks or or on the moons. There is um, you could. There's a feral world called uh, Ilysia. Uh, there is Macaria. You could just go for Macaria. Macaria well, so is. There, there could be a question. We can a ask shrine a world. Maybe um, Chig and Crystal on this one. Yeah. Is our home base on a populated planet or are we trying to hide ourselves? Are we going out into the wilderness and hiding? So are we hiding in the clouds of a gas giant? Are we hiding in the jungles of a feral planet? Or are we hiding we in the hives hiding of a populated in planet? Plain sight. We are in yeah. the depths of yep. society. Okay, cool. So that, that rules out certain planets then. Um, yeah. Just trying to level it down. <laughs> I think then on that basis, hiding in plain sight, and and the fact that you're you've got this kind of um, doctor no slash kind of criminal mastermind going on, um, maybe it is Macaria. So Macaria is pretty much like the one of the first is is one of the the first worlds of the conquest of the Macaria sector, and is also where Lord Solar Macarius was was entombed so this planet is more than just a a hive world because it is a sort of a hive world it is a whole shrine world so there are it is a planet covered by quite a lot of churches cathedrals shrines to various minor um you know i say not saints but you know uh my you know members of the ecclesiarchy of some importance will have been buried there uh also there'd be tombs there to various nobles who who were believed you know sanctified enough to be buried on a shrine world rather than just on their in the tombs of their hive worlds so and within that populace there are just going to be thousands of laborers who are building these alabaster cathedrals there are going to be billions of of uh, pilgrims that come to this world waiting for generations even for their family to go onto the next world, waiting for for planetary passage off onto the next stage of the pilgrimage, um, and they're just going to be these gargantuan statues to various uh, imperial heroes and space marines and and so forth. So it's a very it'll be a very nice world to hide in because there are billions of people to hide amongst. There's also um, the guilds. There's big big shipping guilds and merchant guilds within Macarius it's where all of that kind of important trade and transport would happen so would would give connections to the rest of the system a lot easier than if you're on some backwater planet and suddenly you go well I need to go and do 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 all this tradey stuff elsewhere and would be easy for us to get off planet and and do other things so sector merchant guilds you've got the Adonian combine um carcass fleets and two other things, uh, Dewanton shipping. So there's there's different things that we can do with that from this one planet. Having kind of like a big planet like this, 
make certain things a bit easier. The only danger is that also because it's a shrine world, it has also got a huge, huge presence of the Ordo Hereticus. So maybe maybe that is is the plan. Yeah, to be as close to the enemy so they don't look there. Yeah, you're you're less likely to see the person stood next to you than you are the one you're looking at ten foot away. Yeah, the cops never look for the criminals in their own home. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, and and is this planet kind of a uh, center of politics in the region as well? I'm getting that vibe. Um, so I think that's a huge benefit to our patron and perhaps to us. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a political center because um, it is essentially the center of the ecclesiarchy in the entire sector. So the the law, the planetary governor of the planet is also the arch confessor of the entire subsector. So. What they say about when you go to church and what what sermons are going to be sung across all the worlds, that's said there. They tell you when to go on holidays, which isn't very often in the Imperium. But, you know. Say, what's a holiday? Gonna, yeah. Um, and it's also it's also a good place to um, for some recruitment if you want some highly skilled people because you have uh, the Scola Progenia, which is where... Orphans of nobles and of commanders and and so forth are sent to be trained to be commissars, to be trained to be, you know, fleet commanders. That's where, or, you know, if they don't make it, if they're not considered good enough for those ranks, they're generally going to end up within the Inquisition as like interrogators and savants and so forth, or interrogate or or inquisitors themselves, ultimately. So how does that all sound at this point? Very agreeable. Sounds like a great start to me. Sounds like Are a good the, start, yeah. Any other questions that we should talk about with regard to the setting and things? Because um, we've got to think about, obviously there's an element of character creation we we still have to do. Um, but, I mean, we could begin that. I mean, I'm looking at the clock. We could start that. Uh, it's up to you. Uh, certainly, I have free time. Uh, you know, I think we planned that to be a different episode. So maybe we can wrap this one up um, and then record a separate one for two weeks after this one releases yeah yeah i think if we if we do character gen now we're going to miss that three-parter thing yeah. yeah so well yeah if we do well if we do this character creation actual play and then are we doing a debrief on the game as well that mean it's actually a four-parter we've already breached our idea but it's a deep dive still <laughs> It's up to you. I, I feel we... like we always make comments though, like after, like we do kind yeah. of talk about it. So I feel like that's still within the the limit. It's just we don't end up doing an entire episode on it. Yeah, sure. I think um, this, this is the deep dive, and then we can just say, did this work as the rules? Did this not work as the rules? Yeah. As a quick debrief this is at the end. Active problem solving with stuff that we brainstorm. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, if, any other questions or anything else that you're interested in with regard to maybe the system or, or the I, I setting? Think, you know, I haven't read the entire book yet. I was mostly focused on, on character creation stuff. Uh, I think my basic question would be that uh, are the Xenos even discussed in this book or is it does it really just focus down on the Imperium and humanity in this sector? I so, actually know this. So, so there are... There are stat lines in the book for um, for Xenos enemies and for demonic enemies. So you can face those. And within the recent time period of the Macarian Sector, there have been issues with Xenos um, 
enemies. So mainly in more recently, there was issues with the Drakari, uh, who tried to essentially cut off the sector from the Imperium by attacking the Astra Telepathica like relay stations. There's also other aliens beyond the edge of known space that aren't even the the ones we commonly associate with with uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand. So there is discussion of them, and because of the war footing and the fact that the Macarian system uh, sector is so highly militarized, its population is more aware of Xenos races than other worlds would be, other sectors would be, and other population. Cool. Yeah, the, the bestiary is mostly human, and then you've got some heretics, four Xenos races, and then a load of demons, which could be fun to to look at. But they're, they're, they, they tend to be the, the kind of higher level things you want to go and ex, explore. Well, not explore, uh, exterminate, hopefully. Explode. Explode. <laughs> Yes, unfortunately, yeah. no. Um, there are no, there is no stat line for the space mushrooms, uh, so there's no orcs. Um, but it does have space birds and space dinosaurs um, in the form of crude. Yeah, and lots of murdery elves, as we just said. But this this at the moment, this book is very this this system is very much based on go play some gutter punk um, noir gothic human tales based on the Imperium. And you... there's 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 plenty of scope for for that kind of intrigue and dealing with those sorts of um, uh, conflicts because the whole point is that because of the the great rift opening and all the worlds temporarily being cut off from each other, I say temporarily, it was in about the span of about five or so years, worlds were cut off. So the the astropaths were unable to communicate between worlds or even communicate beyond the sector. So in that time frame. Again, you had a mini Macarium heresy where worlds started to go, why should we even send a tithe to to Macarius? Why should we even send a tithe to Earth? Why should we raise armies? All those things. Mm-hmm. It, it certainly messed things up. I just had a... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is a pretty decent one. Um, and then like in Interrogator, there's stuff to do with like the um, Inquisition and horrible things of like the fact that there are so many psychers at this time in the Imperium due to the Great Rift. There's some very nasty kind of body horror going on. Mm. So any further questions? Any other, anything else? Nope. Yeah, just excited to come back and uh, make some characters. Cool. Okay, Same. well, we're going to wrap it up there then, I think, for this episode. Um, we've basically done a brief overview. There's there's too much setting information to get through for the Macaria sector compared to the Gilead sector for Wrath and Glory that's really easy for this it's like there's there's a massive uh amount but that's because you know you have so many options with your patrons and your characters that you can pick where they come from and who they are and and so forth so we'll be getting to that in the next episode and then after that we'll get into the actual play we'll be doing the intro scenario that is available for Wrath and Glory and then, as I said, we'll do our kind of debrief on it. And that'll be the end of this series. And then we'll be moving on after that to our next game that we'll be looking at. So that's it for now. So um, if you've got any questions, uh, any opinions, uh, contact us at darkdaysradio at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. Find us on other social media at Dark Days Radio because we're on Instagram, YouTube, threads, 
uh, Blue Sky, etc. Um, and obviously catch up with all of our previous episodes and insights on other games and interviews and everything else to do with freelance uh, writing and Warhammer. So that's it, and goodbye for now. This has been an episode of Darker Days Radio. Special thanks to Occam's Laser for the intro, outro, and new bumper music from their hit album, Nine Circles. Check out the rest of their work at occamslaser.bandcamp.com. Thank you.